Why, hello and welcome. Welcome to the Peer Pressure Podcast. I am Diane, sometimes known as Diane Kamikaze, and I am your host. The reason why I do this podcast is because I like to say I am a champion of heavy music. I've always found my favorite songs since I was a young kid had riffs, hooks, were either metal, hardcore, hard rock, or punk, or something fairly aggressive in attitude and sound. And I am all about appreciating the people that keep that world going, whether they're musicians, webmasters, other podcasters, record label and festival owners. It's important to me to recognize what these people do in that realm of music. So I am here to bring them to you in a different context, more than a Wikipedia entry or a press release, a little more personal and a lot more fun. I'm a rocker for life, and I hope these episodes do make a difference. Send me feedback at diane at wfmu.org. And my Facebook page is Diane Kamikaze Farris, Rocker for Life. Like my page there, and I will keep everybody updated on podcast episodes in that space. Thanks so much for listening, and stay tuned. Welcome. It is time for Peer Pressure. My guest today is Albert Modrian. His book, Choosing Death, has gone into a second revised edition, which we talk about. Albert is also the, the editor and head honcho in the world of Decibel magazine and all that is Decibel. This interview is the first segment of the interview that can be found in full in the archives, if you are a fan of of death metal at all. I would highly recommend that you go check out the archive. For uh, for legal reasons, we can't put the music up on the podcast. But some of the things that you will hear if you do go to the archive from November 15th, 20, from November 5th, 2015, are uh, obituary, repulsion, napalm death, at the gates, horrendous, death of vacation, nails, and more. Many, many more. And the interview goes on and on and is interspersed between the sets of music. So this is the beginning part of the interview. Hope you like it. And for WFMU, I am Diane Kamikaze. Stay tuned. My guest is Albert Modrian. He is the editor of Decibel Magazine. And today, I think we're going to talk a little bit more about your book. Last time you were on, we talked more about the magazine. And we will see where the conversation goes. But congratulations. You've got a... Now, now with a book, do you call it a repress, a reissue? I'm such a record person. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I haven't called it either, actually. I've just been referring to it as a... uh a revised edition. Okay. A revised version. So, So tell us about the new revised version. Well, I guess if, if you want to continue that, that record ana- analogy, it can be like a, uh, a deluxe uh, expanded version of the original Choosing Death, mm. uh, which was released back in 2004. This kind of takes everything that was included in that edition and 
brings with it three new chapters, as well as a whole bunch of stories that are kind of edited into the original version. Um, so it comes out to about like 100 more pages, about 30,000 more words of text, a bunch of new photos, a complete redesign. A This one is also a hardcover. <coughs> the original is a soft cover. And oh, nice. The art. Oh, the, the art. Cover. Yes. The art is very exciting. Yes. Uh, it was uh, done by uh, a, a, an original uh, commission by the great Dan Seagrave, who uh, that name will inspire awe to anyone who stared at, for hours on end, suffocation and uh, morbid angel and entombed covers of records from the early 90s. Dan yes. did so many classic, classic records. And, um, you know, obviously is an established artist beyond that and continues to do stuff today. He also did uh, some not-so-classic not, not so records. He did, like, the Lawnmower Death. Yeah, the um. Lawnmower Death, <laughs> Metal Duck Split. Yes. I believe that was, uh, that was the first thing that uh, he was commissioned to do for Eric back in the 80s. Oh, really? Yeah. Awesome. But he, um, you know, he did this, did this piece for the book and just really... You know, as as people like to say, uh, it really ties a room together in terms of the whole the whole presentation of the book. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's just um, it's really the original choosing death on steroids. It's just like that much better, and just really excited and that it's that it's out there in the world. And and so when you originally wrote the book, did you sort of know that it was going to have to continue, or did it just bug you, or was it the state of death metal and grindcore that was sort of you know still still happening and still vital that that had you decide well to you know when i wrote the original i never as i was writing the original i never imagined there'd be uh, an expanded version of it uh, but you know the day that i got the my author's copy of the original of course you immediately find things that you're that you find that are you find fault with things as you're flipping through it so I think, like, from that moment on, from the day I got the first copy, I was like, you know, hopefully I get a chance to take another whack at this someday. But it was never, there was never any timeline on it. It was just one of those things where I, I, I kind of knew that if there was, if the original was successful and there was interest in it, that I could potentially have the chance to to expand on it. Because it's a, you know, it's a living history, really. It's this music it continues to, to move forward, and it, in some cases it continues to delve deep into its past and history to do that. Um, so for me it was kind of like, uh, you know, you're writing a, you're not writing about a particular era like some music books are. Like this was, I really wanted to kind of cover everything that, that had happened in the development of these genres. And ten years later there was, Tons more development. Was, I mean, the, the genres were about thirty years old, so this was really a third of their lifetime had passed since the book was written. So, really, to me, it kind of seemed um, like a good time to to step in and talk about everything that had happened since the original was released. And, but then, what I surmise is that this book may never be finished. Like with oh. the state of metal today. I mean, how, you know, 
there's there's a lot of great active bands right now. When you say it like that, it really just it wounds me deeply. Oh, and I'm going to have to no. do this all again someday. I don't want you uh, to, to, to <laughs> wound. Well, uh, and, and I know what you're saying, though. No, you're right. It, it is it is it is the kind of thing that you can continue to build volumes of it if you really want to catalog everything that 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 happens. Because who knows? Yeah, ten years from now. It's hard to imagine anything, what it, what it could be like. When I finished the original, if you would have told me that bands like At The Gates and Carcass would reunite and make some of their best music um, after doing so, I would have never imagined that possible. Yes. Just based on where those, where those musicians were at, where those, pe- where those guys were at as people, when I finished the first Choosing Death, to you know, where they are at now, it's just mind-blowing that that things have kind of, I don't want to say come full circle, but have just evolved in that manner. Yes, and um, a, a huge cause for celebration also. Right. That was yeah. like, and wow. So to have that happen, it's, yeah, I think it's entirely possible that this will be a... Um, never-ending. A never-ending. <laughs> a never-ending cycle of destruction, really. <laughs> um, but it's... Uh, oh, it'll, you could... busy, not that I... You could do it. Oh, I have an idea. You could do it in limited editions, right? Because this one's limited, isn't it? 3,000? Mm-hmm. You could do it in limited editions, like, every few years and get a different, like, you know, artist to do the cover. You could almost make it as collectible as vinyl. You could. get mm-hmm. I get Ed Repka in to do the next version. Yes, yes. We'll, go, we'll throw it back a generation and then mm-hmm. have Wes Benscotter step in for another one maybe after that. Everybody's just got to live very long, healthy lifestyles until then. Right, so, right. <laughs> with an eye towards the future here. Well, and part of what I, you know, what I meant by that in terms of the direction that those questions went is like, well, so you're, you're with Decibel. You're the founder of Decibel, right? So you write right. all the time. No, so, I don't. That's I, the thing. Oh, okay. uh, my, okay. <laughs> my position with Decibel is, is you know, really it's running the magazine and there's so many things that go into oh you're the overlord right so you know i my days are spent uh generally like you know selling ads developing products marketing promoting um working on the flexi series working on the decibel magazine tour working on special events um you know doing a lot of like boring business related stuff honestly the only thing i write generally on a monthly basis are my editor's notes and I have to struggle to even barf out those 300 words a month <laughs> <laughs> so yeah no I am I was not uh, I, I certainly wasn't uh, you know I, I wasn't in game shape when it came time to, to mm. get back into choosing death oh so you did reluctantly be like well that you know carcass is back together at the gates is back together I there's no way you can just let it. Well, I, I, honestly, to me, that was kind of that was the tipping point. Was when those bands announced that they were getting back together, and eventually, you know, me finding out that they would be recording stuff. To me, that was the moment where I was like, okay, this should this really should happen someday. Because mm-hmm. there was a lot of stuff that led up to that in the years, you know, in between 2004 and 2007. But there was even really interesting stuff that could make a compelling argument that I should do something, but that was like, oh, I have to do it. Right. But honestly, my schedule with running the magazine is just kind of crazy. Um, it doesn't allow for much free time. Then 
my wife and I became first-time parents in 2011, and I was oh. like, okay, all right, we've got to figure this out at some point. And then in 2013, we found out we were becoming second-time parents. Nice, and congratulations. Point, knew, knew that the window was closing on having any time to kind of jump into this book uh, and get it done, honestly, within the next five to ten years. Mm. So I just spent the next nine months hammering through it and uh, so you took got me 12 months to finish it, but, you know, we got there. But you got the warning shot. The yeah, two, right? The nine so kind of like, this is how life is going to be, and you can't right. imagine how it's going to be in right. nine months from now, so you better just do this now. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, congratulations on the, on the family growth in that period of time also. Thank you. Yeah, um, lots of offspring, books, children. Nice. Right. A, a whole different kind of, kind <laughs> of reading you're doing now. Um, <laughs> what... Um, uh, so, the original version had had a different cover, and we already talked about Dan Seagrave a little bit. Um, right. What? Uh, who put out the first version of the book? Uh, the original version was uh, issued through Feral House, uh, who most people uh, who are into metal are probably familiar with, based on books like Lords of Chaos yes. and uh, American Hardcore. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of their pretty popular music books. Um, and yeah, they had it from 2004 onward and it was actually still in print, um, at the end of last year, but I approached them about, uh, purchasing the rights to it so we could put it out. And And so this is now decibel. The book is the first book to come out on decibel books, which, you know, is actually going to be an, an ongoing concern in 2016 which is, you know, that might be time for another talk someday. But mm-hmm. <laughs> for mm-hmm. now, it is, uh, it is the inaugural release of, um, of Decibel's book imprint. And I couldn't be happier to have <coughs> Decibel and Choosing Death uh, finally united in that, in that manner. That's very exciting. Yeah. Bringing it home. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and I love that it's a, a whole new uh, shift package um, what are the three new chapters? Are there titles for them? Yes. There is um, one of the new, the first chapter that's in the book is um, a chapter that is called, uh, what is it, Beyond the North Winds. And that is a historical look at the Dutch death metal scenes mm. and the Finnish death metal scenes, which were sadly and egregiously left out of the original uh, version of Choosing Death. Ah. So I went back and spoke with, you know, the bands that were at the height of those movements. Obviously, in, in Finland, you have bands like Abhorrence, who became Amorphous, and Convulse, and Demolik, things like that. And in the Netherlands, there's, of course, Pestilence, such a huge band, mm-hmm. Thanatos, um, Asphyx, things like that. Awesome. Or Gorefest, also. Um, and um, so there's that, and then there's two chapter, two additional chapters at the end of the book that kind of that discuss everything that's happened since the original came out. So it kind of looks at 2004, 2005 to present, and one of the chapters discusses all of the interesting offshoots that have really taken shape since then, like the retro death metal movement, which really wasn't a thing back in 2004. And the technical death metal movement, which 
uh, I guess was kind of a thing back then, but hadn't really firmly taken root with so many bands and so many styles and, and labels that actually cater specifically to that style of death metal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that kind of takes a look at that as well as some of the other bands that don't fit into any kind of category like that, like bands like Portal, things like that. Right. Um, and then there's a, the final chapter focuses on the reunions. Um, of the aforementioned at the gates and carcass obviously but so many other bands have gotten back together also whether it was brutal truth who've gotten back together and since disbanded um repulsion gore guts yes um just i mean so many bands that were that honestly in a lot of ways because of the rise of the internet over the past decade their legend kind of grew you know, when a lot of these bands broke up in the late 90s or early 2000s, nobody nobody seemed to shed a tear back then. But as a new generation of people were able to kind of, kind of discover what they, what they were all about, it just really kind of created this demand for their return. And some of these bands, I mean, At The Gates and Carcass in particular, and obviously Repulsion, too, yes. bands are bigger now than they ever were before, um, which is amazing and and exciting and great and you know couldn't be couldn't be happier with that development really yeah and and especially to see bands like that getting their due i mean uh carcasses uh surgical steel i believe i i know is their biggest selling record it definitely was out of the gate it was definitely their yeah. first the best first week they've ever had right um yeah and you know continued to be a strong seller and and now, did they're you definitely playing big shows in the U.S. that they that they uh, hadn't played in twenty twenty five years. Right, had never been able to play. Right, and and as much as I am not a huge lover of of how things go on the internet because they just go like wildfire, that is one of the 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 real advantages. Um, and I love being able to see these bands get their due. It's nice. They don't have to exist in obscurity. The only thing that is bad is that some bands that probably deserve to exist in obscurity are don't. no longer afforded <laughs> that. <laughs> well, you know, you could write something about them, and, and you could put them in their place in obscurity. You, you know, you have the tools there. I, I suppose. <laughs> so um, let me ask you then, because you mentioned the, uh, the Beyond the, the North Winds chapter, um, a band like Amorphous, who really started very death metal and then certainly uh, morphed quite a bit in terms of their sound, mm-hmm. do you have a criteria for your for the book in terms of what you'll cover and what you won't cover? And is it a, a band sort of moves out of the range of death metal or you follow them anyway? You know, a genre is not a hard genre. There's so many... No, you know, you can't have a hard and fast line. I think it's kind of whatever whatever feels right, whatever seems to make sense. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times it's like, for a lot of people, a record like Amorphous' second album, Tales from the Thousand Lakes, mm. might not be a true blue death metal record compared to their debut, the Karelian Isthmus, or what the band was doing um, as, I mean, not essentially the same band, but similar band abhorrence before that. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, I think it kind of you kind of go with your gut. It's like you talk about the bands as they transition out of that style, but to me, it didn't seem necessary to cover Amorphous as they went through their um, late '90s, early 2000s, like 
helpful. Post-prog rock thing. Right there. Um, it, because it just it isn't, it isn't necessarily relevant to the story, but the fact that they turn into that, that's worth talking about, or that they start bringing those elements into the death metal sound, mm-hmm. especially on Tales. Um, to me, that's interesting, and that's worth discussing. Mm. Yeah, because you have to, I mean... So you said it was all by gut, pretty much. Were there some bands that you just weren't fond of that you s- said, well, I really have to throw them in here because it makes sense? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm a death metal fan, obviously, and I, uh, I probably am a bit more sympathetic to some bands than I should be uh, <laughs> in terms of their qualitative <laughs> output. But at this, by the same token, there's bands that are covered in there that I'm not necessarily a fan of, but I understand that they are. They have their place. The story arc. Mm-hmm. And and that's fine, you know? Like, I, it's not up to me. I'm not there. I'm trying to talk about the history of this style, and the bands that are super relevant to the development of it are bands that I'm going to cover, whether or whether or not they're my favorite bands. Yes, there are some bands that I really, really like that maybe are a little bit obscure that I decided to take some time to shed some light upon, a band like a Death Evocation, mm-hmm. who are kind of an under-the-radar band that came out post the original version of Choosing Death. Um, yes. But, you know, for the most part, it is, I'm, I don't have... It, it's not my... I should not have an, an agenda in that sense as somebody who's trying to tell the story. Well, that's nice that you say that because there are many music books out there that, that, that have quite a bit of opinion in them um, and you're right, though. You, you, if you're really presenting a history of a genre that you've sort of <coughs> outlined or delineated what your parameters are, then whoever's in there is uh, is included. Right. It's is. a delicate balance, though, because you want to inject some enthusiasm for some of these bands in there too, because you just don't want it to sound like you don't want it to be too robotic. Um, well, it would be a book of yeah. lists otherwise. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And that concludes another podcast episode. Thank you for tuning in. I'll have another one up as humanly possible. Of course, I've never claimed to be human. So who knows? For WFMU, I am Diane Kamikaze. Twitter, Diane Kamikaze, one word. And Kamikaze has an E at the end, not an I. And Instagram, Diane Kamikaze one word. Thanks for tuning in.